Prime Minister Justin Trudeau finally visits the Kamloops First Nations and things get pretty awkward. We'll talk about his disastrous visit. I'm Candace Malcolm and this is The Candace Malcolm Show. Hi everyone, thank you so much for tuning into the show, tuning into the podcast. We've had a busy week here at True North. On Monday, we did a live stream covering the Alberta municipal election as well as the referendum question on equalization. I had Aaron Gunn on my show yesterday. He's running for leader of the BC Liberals and he sounds totally different than a normal politician. He speaks with common sense and conviction and he's not afraid to discuss issues that are thorny and to go against the woke left mob. Well, in all of the excitement that was going on this week, I didn't cover this trip that the Prime Minister took to Kamloops, to the Kamloops First Nation, and I want to go through it on the show today because it was pretty awkward, uh, pretty uncomfortable for the Prime Minister to finally go, and I want to unpack that. But first, if you're watching this video on YouTube, I'm going to ask that you like this video. Don't forget to subscribe to True North and make sure you hit that red notification bell so that you don't miss any of our videos. If you're watching on Facebook, please like this video, share it with your friends, leave us a comment, and don't forget to head on over and like the True North page. Finally, if you're listening to this show in podcast form over on Apple Podcasts or Google Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts, please don't forget to subscribe to The Candace Malcolm Show. And if you like the content, if you like the show, don't forget to leave us a five-star review. It really helps us out. It helps our ranking and helps other people discover The Candace Malcolm Show in searches. So that really does help us out. So today I want to talk about this awkward, awkward trip that the Prime Minister took to Kamloops, but I'm going to give you a little bit of background first because there is a lot of underlying stories and narratives here and the underlying stories are so important to the stories. So in case you've been living under a rock and you haven't been paying attention to the sort of prevailing media narrative over the past six months or so, it all started here. I'm talking about the unmarked graves found at residential schools. The story that blew up across the international media uh, led to really egregious claims against Canada, accusations of mass graves, which were untrue, accusations of genocide that Canada committed, which is untrue, uh, a horrible, terrible, unfair comparisons, uh, basically saying that Canada's residential school programs were the equivalent of the Nazi Holocaust against the Jews, which is just absolutely wrong on so many levels. And I'm one of the only voices, I think, in Canada who has been willing to come out and challenge this narrative, to say that it's untrue, to talk about the facts, to bring the narrative back to the facts of the story, and to talk about how so much of the sensationalism, the moral panic um, that came from this story was not, in fact, tied to the facts on the ground or tied to reality. It really, really got sensationalized. I had a piece over at tnc.news it went viral. It's the most read piece in the history of True North. It's called Six Things the Media Got Wrong About the Graves Found Near Residential Schools. I encourage you to head on over and take a look at that if you haven't already. And things got so out of hand from that narrative, from that false narrative that the legacy media pushed and the moral panic that they created, that we then saw dozens and dozens of churches across Canada, over 50, uh, get vandalized, desecrated, or burnt to the ground without without really much of a reaction, without really any kind of outcry, outroar uh, from the political class. Instead, we saw people, elites in our society, actually cheering them on, justifying it, making excuses for the arsonists and for the vandals. It was really quite something, one of the worst uh, displays of behavior in recent memory in Canada. And it all originated from this band, from the Tekemloops First Nation, 
uh, from a press release that they put out saying that they had confirmed that there were unmarked graves on their property. And again, if you go back to my, my piece that I, that I wrote, uh, many people would assume from the narrative, from the way that the media reported on it, that there had been some kind of an excavation, that they had actually found the remains of children. They weren't, they didn't. They used ground-penetrating radar, which is a very rudimentary technology. And basically, all that they determined was that there was some um, soil movement. And, and even the lead researchers um, came later, did a press conference where they explained that they had no way of knowing uh, how many how many graves were there, how many bodies were there, whether they were children, whether they were First Nations. We, we don't know any of that. It's all sort of unconfirmed and speculation. However, it still blew up into this huge narrative. So that's the first important context and background. The second important piece of background uh, for this story today is that this chief, Chief Roseanne Kashmir, was very public in inviting Prime Minister Justin Trudeau to come to her ceremony on Truth and Reconciliation Day. So September 30th of this year, Canada observed Truth and Reconciliation Day the first time in our history. The holiday was created by Justin Trudeau and the Liberals. Instead of taking up the invitation from this chief, from this very high profile chief and her reserve that everyone knows is the one that started uh, the, 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 the whole narrative about the unmarked graves, uh, Trudeau instead chose to lie to the public to say that he was in Ottawa on official meetings when in fact where he actually was was in Tofino. Instead of observing this national holiday that so many Canadians do. So many Canadians uh, instinctively understand that our history isn't perfect, that there were things that happened uh, that we all deeply regret, programs and uh, federal government initiatives that were wrong, uh, that have had very negative impacts on First Nations Canadians and those communities. And I think residential schools is absolutely one of those. I'm in no way, shape or form have ever defended residential schools. I don't think that they were a good idea. I generally oppose large sweeping federal government programs, especially ones that break up families and remove kids from their homes. Um, my criticism was always about the media narrative and the way that they talked about the story in a way that was sensationalizing it and pushing uh, ideas that weren't true. So all this is to say that Trudeau got into big, big trouble for not commemorating this holiday that so many Canadians did observe, uh, rightly so, and taking steps towards uh, more reconciliation, more fairness, and more equality of outcome for First Nations Canadians. Uh, so in, in, instead of doing any of that, Trudeau was off on the beach and it was very, very bad. So, so that's all the context. Now here we are on Monday, Justin Trudeau is finally in Kamloops. He's at the Kamloops First Nations almost three weeks after he skipped the original invitation to visit on Truth and Reconciliation Day. And when speaking to the press, this is what I'm talking about when things get awkward because Chief Roseanne Kashmir, good for her, she is absolutely intimidated by the prime minister she's not impressed by him and she lets him know it so here we see the two sitting side by side prime minister justin trudeau sitting next to chief roseanne cashmere and she absolutely slams trudeau she absolutely destroys him while he is sitting right next to her and just watch the look on trudeau's face he is just being put in his place being shamed in a way that mps in ottawa you know maybe it does happen from time to time with conservatives uh but but trudeau is usually just so smug um, when, when it comes to any criticism. Um, so to see him being criticized very fairly and rightly by a First Nations woman, a strong First Nations leader, a strong woman, um, is absolutely classic. So here, here is the clip. It's about two minutes long. And just watch, just look at the look on Justin Trudeau's face. What a sad, sorry, pathetic excuse for a leader in this country. When we imagined welcoming Prime Minister Trudeau to our community, it was envisioned that it would be an opportunity for him to interact with a wide array of survivors 
intergenerational survivors and many different First Nations as part of September the 30th, the first National Day of Truth and Reconciliation. Two letters of invitations were sent to his office to participate in our event. For us, it was to show his commitment to rectifying the historical wrongs of residential school and to grieve with our residential school survivors, whether in person or by a virtual pre-recorded greeting and message for all of us here. Instead, in the middle of truth-telling, cultural grounding and sharing that unfolded as part of the commemoration of the very first National Day of Truth and Reconciliation, in this arbor, a journalist quietly informed us that the Prime Minister Justin Trudeau was on vacation in Tofino. The shock, anger, and sorrow and disbelief was palpable in our community, and it rippled throughout the world, to say the least. Today is about making some positive steps forward and rectifying a mistake. So pretty devastating stuff, pretty awkward for the Prime Minister, and again, good for Chief Kashmir for just putting him in his place. And while on that visit to Kamloops, that wasn't the only bad thing for Trudeau. He also got fact-checked by a First Nations group and basically got uh, called out for, for, for saying something that wasn't true. So here's a story in the National Post about it. It says, Truth and Reconciliation Center disputes Trudeau claim all residential schools records have been transferred. It's time for that to be true. So here is just a bit of the back. Background. So while Trudeau was in Kamloops, he told the media that all requested documentation Ottawa has on residential schools had been turned over to the National Center for Truth and Reconciliation in Winnipeg. We will continue to look to make sure that there are no others that we have remaining to turn over, but we have, in our understanding, turned over all of those records. Well, that is not true, according to the National Center for Truth and Reconciliation, and they have rebuked his claim on their website. They wrote this on their website. It says, at present, we are still waiting for Canada to provide the final versions of school narratives and supporting documents used in the independent assessment process to the NCTR, that's the National Center for Truth and Reconciliation. The statement also reads, at present, we are also still unable to access Indian hospital records, federal health records, and day school records. All of these records are crucial not only to support missing children research, but to fully and truthfully document the residential school system, the children who died in the schools, and the ongoing legacy. The statement ended saying, if the Prime Minister is telling all Canadians and Indigenous peoples that the National Truth and Reconciliation Centre holds all the records, it's time for that to be true. So again, pretty devastating stuff for a Prime Minister who virtue signals a lot and likes to pretend that he is very empathetic and caring and that he is the one that is going to help First Nations people in Canada when we all know that that's not true. We all know that Justin Trudeau doesn't really care about this stuff. He only cares about appearing like he cares. He doesn't actually like doing the hard work and following through on his promises. And so that is all coming to light and it is pretty amusing stuff. And now all that being said, I think it is important, uh, especially on this show, on the Candace Malcolm show, that we dissect the statements that both sides make. So we don't let one side get away with statements that aren't true just because the other side is saying things that aren't true. So one of the things that Chief Kashmir had said is that the 
findings have been confirmed, that the unmarked graves have been confirmed. Well, that is not exactly true. So to this day, there's still no follow-up and no proof about that story of the 215 unmarked graves. In fact, as I mentioned earlier in the show, when they finally did do their presentation and release the report that they had that was done through a local university, uh, the, the main researcher said that the 215 number wasn't even true. So you, you remember all those headlines, 215 unmarked graves, 215 children found, 215 was the number that we heard over and over again. And that number has sort of become a rallying cry. You see it um, in stickers. You sometimes see it on store window fronts. A lot of people use that 215. You see it a lot on social media. Well, according to the lead researcher who did the report, um, she said that that 215 number isn't even accurate. It isn't true, that the claim is more something about 200. They, they, they expect roughly uh, 200 graves that were found. And she reiterated the idea that it is basically impossible to confirm whether this is true, whether these are actually graves, who these graves belong to, whether they were children at the residential school, whether they were from a previous generation, whether they were First Nations, or whether they were the European um, settlers who were there at the time. Uh, we just don't know. The only way to confirm that would be to do excavations, to to dig up and, and find the remains, um, you know, do carbon dating on the bones and all that kind of thing, which is something that isn't happening at this point. There's no plan to do that. I can't imagine First Nations people wanting to do that, wanting to dig up uh, a burial space, especially a sacred burial space. So really, there is no confirmation. There's no confirmation. We still have a claim. Even, like I said, the lead archaeologist, a woman by the name of Sarah Bilio, had to clarify that these results are probable and that they are not confirmed. This is what she said back in July when they did that presentation that was supposed to show the results and confirm all this information. She, she said, all residential school landscapes are likely to contain burials and missing children, and remote sensing such as ground penetrating radar merely provides some spatial specificity to this truth. According to the Globe and Mail, she also stressed her findings can't be confirmed unless excavations are done at the scene, which is why we need to pull back a little and say that these are probable burials. They are targets of interest for sure. She said the sites have multiple signatures that present like burials, but that we do need to say that they are probable until one excavates. So again, the, the, the main researchers, the scientists, the archaeologists say that these are probable graves. And so when you have the chief of a First Nations coming out saying that it is confirmed. That's a political statement. That is not a factual statement. That is not based on the facts on the ground. And, and, and there's more. Uh, Chief Kashmir has also claimed that some of the bodies were detected were as young as three years old. Um, that again, this is not confirmed by ground penetrating radar. We can't confirm any details about the individuals or how they died. This is from a University of Lethbridge professor named Dr. Paul Vermitz. He says, the radar isn't going to tell you who's down there, nor is it going to tell you what they died. He said that during a event hosted by the Society for Academic Freedom and Scholarship, as well as the Frontier Center for Public Policy. And according to the Canadian Archaeological Association, it is not possible to identify grave locations or the absence of graves with 100% certainty using remote sensing. They also say that archaeologists will likely assign different levels of confidence to their results in much the same way as a 
weather forecaster predicts the likelihood of the rain. Now, all this isn't to downplay or diminish the experiences were, which, from all accounts, were pretty horrific uh, for First Nations individuals who did attend these residential schools. It is just to say that we should take some caution when we're talking about this story. We should recognize that it is a very, very heated subject. Many Canadians feel a sense of remorse or they feel ashamed by the way that First Nations peoples were treated in Canada in many instances. And, you know, the, the, the feeling that they have is that we want to right this wrong. But by, by pushing stories that are, are sensationalized, that are not really based on truth, all it does is raise the temperature and enables the sort of bold, far-left people who just want to, like they said, burn it all down, burn down the churches, um, erase Canada, destroy our history. We, we have to be pretty careful and try to stick as closely to the facts. The facts are bad enough as it is. We don't need to exaggerate them to make them worse. And when it comes to the story of the unmarked graves, we should try to stick with the facts and not allow the media and uh, left-wing activists to blow it out of proportion to sensationalize it. Yes, horrible things happened at residential schools. Schools. Were they mass killing fields that we can equate to Nazi Germany? No, they weren't. That's not what they were. That's not what happened. That's not what the stories over the summer of the unmarked graves proved. In fact, we don't even know for certainty what it is that we're talking about. And it's important to stick to the facts and the truth when we are reporting and we're talking about such a sensitive issue. Regardless, it was a very, very bad day for Justin Trudeau, a bad week. He was put in his place and, and I think that most Canadians are starting to see through his nonsense to recognize that he likes to virtue signal, uh, but when it comes to putting his money where his mouth is, when it comes to walking the walk, he just isn't there. He doesn't care. He's not authentic. And he was rightfully put in his place this week in Kamloops. Thanks so much for watching. I'm Kedis Malcolm, and this is The Kedis Malcolm Show.